morning, in particular I'll address to the men, but obviously anything in the Word of God, the principles and everything we teach apply to all of us. But I do want to address the dads to a dad of the faith. Share a couple of stories with you to begin with. I think I've shared this with you before, but anyway, it's still an interesting story. This goes back to January the 5th, back in January the 5th, 1984. Our first child was born, Dave, and uh, Lana had him. I'll give her credit. She's right over there. She was, I was there, but she was the one screaming. And uh, Dave was nine months old, the story I'm about to tell you. He's nine months old, and Lana and I, we're living in Montgomery at the time, and we're laying in, in the bed. It's a Saturday morning. And we're kind of listening to our son, Dave, and he's rattling the baby bed. You know, he's nine months old. He's pulled himself up. And we can hear him saying a few words. A lot of kids at nine months, you got the, the no or the dot, dot, bye-bye or bye-bye. Why is it such a this huge family deal when they say bye-bye? Say bye-bye. Say bye-bye. And everybody, oh, like, you know, oh, praise God. This is the first child that ever said bye-bye. But we're listening to him, and he's ooing and God in there and rattling the baby bed. And all of a sudden, just as crystal clear, Harvey, Harvey, nine months old. And I'm glad Lana's here. That's the true story. Just as clear, scared us, sort of freaked us out. We thought somebody else was in the house. We ran over to the bedroom door, and we looked down the hallway. I had my head looking out, and Landon, we're both like this, looking down the hallway, and there he is. He's looking back. He's just grinning, rattling that cage like, hey, I said something. Now, I don't know if he ever said it that clear until he got older, but anyway, he started talking, and eventually, by the time probably he was uh, a year old, he was, he, was, he was writing speeches. Dave talked a lot. So our second child, I wish I could tell you that when Audra came along, when she was nine months, she hollered out, Lana. Lana, but she didn't. She couldn't talk because Dave was doing all the talking to this day. Uh, but anyway, a good memory as a dad looking back on our children. Many of you have been through w- with us, Dave being sick, and I want to share something interesting with you. When you're facing life and death, things that you cherish as a dad. Y'all know that this coming August will be four years since Dave's been on dialysis. And we sacrifice for our children. We do things for them. We love them. And so four years ago, we were here. Y'all lived with us and through us and prayed for us. Dave was not supposed to leave UAB. Y'all know we were called in and said he's not going to make it. So once you get through picking yourself up off the floor and stop the, the crying, you, uh, you begin to pray and seek God's face. Well, as you know, Dave got better enough that they sent him home. And, of course, we eventually got him on dialysis. But one of the things, and there were many, but one thing Dave prayed for as a dad that I could see my daughter Madeline get on the school bus again. And God granted him that. Jamie called us the morning. We brought him home on on a nighttime from UAB and so, but he sat there and watched and wept as we watched Madeline go out to the school bus and watched her come home. Again, that embodies just wanting to be there for your child. When he turned 30, he was 29 in August when all this happened, so his birthday is 1584. So I called him that morning and wished him a happy birthday. Hey, how's it feel, old man, to be 30? And we talked and laughed about it. He said, Daddy, let me ask you something. He said, I, I'll just tell you, he said, one of the things I begged God to please let me see my 30th birthday. And he said, now that I'm here, I'm a little nervous. So we talked about that and laughed about it. And I said something like, well, you know, we don't, we don't bargain with God. We've all begged God for things. We've all done that. That's being honest. But uh, 
but we don't really bargain with God. But I said, why don't we pray for 31? And so we remind ourselves each birthday. So he's 33, and we're just still celebrating and thanking God for those days. The things we do as dads of faith, we sacrifice, we commit ourselves. And I'm going to share a couple of pictures with you now that I'm a papa. This is favor. He turned four months old on Friday. So he was four months old. But I bought him a pair of boots. Four dollars at a thrift store, brand new. He'll be able to wear them by the second grade. But I'm preparing. Men, we teach our sons, so I'm going to get him ready to go hunting with us and everything. So things we do is papa. Now, before you show this next one, Chris, let me just lead into this. John Freeman invited me and Madeline to come down and swim at his place. And he said, Harvey, I got this big old trampoline thing out in the water. And said, you'll want to show Madeline how it's done. He said, because I show my grandkids how it's done. So let's show the next picture. There I am. Yep, that's me. That's me. John Freeman said, Harvey, you need to show Madeline how to do it so she won't get hurt or anything. He knew. And I did not know he was hiding a camera behind him. So he knew what was going to happen. Because, see, that slide is not made for a 240-pound walrus. So Madeline's in shock. But, see, we do things for our kids because we teach them how not to do things. So Madeline didn't go head first. She sat down and went down it. Said, no, I'm not. And by the way, y'all are laughing, but I'm okay. See, nobody's asking. I'm all right. My neck's okay. The things we do as papas and grandpapas. Let's talk. About, you can take that off, Chris, please. <laughs> oh, man. Y'all, I really was, I wanted to come off that side. I was going to sit down on it, but John knew that thing couldn't hold me up. So before I could get up there to get seated, I just went forward. So anyway. Take it, Dan. Thank you. Oh, no, is he showing more? A dad of faith. I'm about to read to you a story about a dad that most of you are familiar with, a man by the name of Abraham. You remember the story. God asked him to place his son, Isaac, on an altar, and he did. Abraham was 100 when the promise of Isaac was given. Sarah was 90. What is God doing? What is God doing asking Abraham then to sacrifice this son? Here's the story. Genesis 22. I won't read all of it, but I want to get some of the details. Genesis 22, 6 through 14. So Abraham, he took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on his son Isaac. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Now, earlier the Bible had told us that there was a three-day journey. And then they get there, and he puts the wood on Isaac's back. And he carries the wood. He takes the knife, Abraham does, and the two of them went together in the fire. Verse 7, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My, my father, he said, here I am, my son. He said, look, I, Daddy, I, I see the fire and we got the wood, but where's the lamb? Daddy, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him. 
And Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood on the altar, and then he bound Isaac, his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, we can only read between the lines. I'm wondering, did Isaac try to stop him, or did he say, Daddy, what are you doing? Daddy, did he have to bind him? Did he put a cloth in his mouth to keep him from hollering? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just stayed silent. But nonetheless, he put him up on that altar and bound his own son. And Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Fearing God involves much more than being afraid. That's We hear the word in English and we think afraid, but I just remind you that fear means in awe of, worship, commitment. He feared God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me, verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked and there behind him was a ram, a male a male sheep, a male lamb, caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. I cannot read this story, preach from it too, but not almost feeling kind of undone. There's part of me as a dad to try to think through that. that I'm kind of speechless. I'm not sure what to say. I always have mixed emotions about the story. I don't know if you're that way when you read it. I mean, it just kind of leaves you undone a little bit. You're going, he followed through with this? I'm told that he did. But something else that it causes me to do when I read this story, it causes me to examine my faith. Do I fear the Lord? There's a lot of imagery that points to Jesus all through the Old Testament. All the Old Testament books point to the New Testament. And so you can find Christ in almost every book in the Old Testament. Some connection, some analogy. Over the years, and listening to other sermons as well, let me just share some. Most of you probably have heard these before, but notice the imagery that points to Jesus, the only begotten Son, Isaac, His Son. I shared with you, I didn't read it earlier, but there was a three-day journey. Why does the Bible tell us it took three days? Is it possible that we know that Jesus was three days in the tomb? We know that Jesus made reference to Jonah. As Jonah was in the fish of the belly for three days, so shall the Son of Man be. And Does it give us that detail to connect the story? The wood for the sacrifice. The son had to carry the wood. Isaac, was, the wood was placed on his back. The very wood that he would be sacrificed on, he had to carry. Jesus had to carry his own wood for the sacrifice. Is is that a connection that God wants us to make? A lamb. Daddy, Daddy, where's the lamb? God will provide a lamb. We know that scripturally that Jesus is the lamb of God. We're told that. 
John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There he is, the Lamb. We know that Jesus is the Passover Lamb. God will provide, son. He'll provide a Lamb. He was the Lamb, didn't he? And after the angel comes and says, Now that I see that you fear the Lord, he turns and he sees a ram, a male lamb, sheep, caught in the thicket with his thorns. Jesus was pressed upon him with a crown of thorns. Is that connection there? God doesn't put details just haphazardly. They're there for a reason. But we definitely can make a connection of him sacrificing his son and knowing as we come to the New Testament, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God did follow through. Jesus was sacrificed, his only sons. We definitely can make that connection. Abraham trusted, he trusted God. And he believed God's promise. And the promises, the promises already been given through him. That through your son Isaac, I will bless every nation. So he already knew the promises. I want you to hear this line, and this is coming from other people through the years. And. I'll repeat it again in just a moment. Our approval before God, our approval before God does not depend on our faithfulness to His commandments. But rather, it depends on our willingness to trust His faithfulness. Do you trust God's faithfulness? Charles Wesley made this statement. It's not in a hymn. I I looked it up, but I found this quote that he made. Charles Wesley, the brother of John Wesley, said, Faith, faith, mighty faith, the promise sees and looks to that alone. Faith, mighty faith, the promise sees and looks to that alone. Dads, teach your children to trust in the faithfulness of God. He who called you is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness, we just sang. Bring your children to the cross. And teach them about the sacrifice of God's Son. Because that's how we try. We see God did follow through. We know that it is faith that we've come to God. I quote Hebrews 11.6 a lot because God was calling me to preach. I was to accept that call by faith. So Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he or she who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who would diligently seek him. Let me read to you two New Testament passages. And you can read in Hebrews and also Romans that it traces back to Abraham. Abraham's name is mentioned about 240 times throughout the Bible. 30-something times in the Gospels. And 70-something times in the New Testament. So there's definitely a connection to Abraham. Listen to what Hebrews 11, 17 and 19 says. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, and Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able, God's able, to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in figurative sense. Now listen to Romans 4, 16 through 17. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, 
not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. You and I are here this morning. I hope this is the reason you're here. is because you are daughters and sons of faith. We are people of faith because of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all that trickling down. Moses had not come in Genesis 22 in this. There was no nation of Israel before this. So it all pulls us back to faith. Your faith matters. Do you trust God? Do you put your faith and trust in God? If we follow the example of Abraham and we put our trust in God's faithfulness, we will find that our faith is accounted unto us for righteousness. The Bible says God reckons it. That means credit. God credits to your account because you believed his faithfulness. The basis of righteousness of Christ, eternally right and worthy in his sight. As worthy daughters and sons, we inherit the kingdom promised long ago by Abraham. We inherit eternity as a gift of grace that is appropriated through faith. Faith alone is the instrument through which we appropriate the grace of God. Granted, God has different means of grace. But as important as these means of grace are, such as holy living, should you be holy? Should you live holy before God? Of course you should. The Bible tells us to do that. But you're not going to get in because you're so holy. Neither am I. That is not how I'm going to get into the kingdom of God because I'm such a good guy. I don't, I don't trust in my holiness, although I'm supposed to be. What about denominational faithfulness? It's a good thing, but... The day we come to the pearly gates, is God going to say, Harvey, were you a good Methodist? Is he going to ask you, were you a good Catholic? Were you a good Presbyterian? He will not ask that. Do you have faith in my son? That's how we get in. Now, are those things important? Yes, but don't put your faith in them. Baptism, confirmation, as good as they are. Don't trust that you were confirmed in the church. Trust that you believed in Christ. It is in Christ alone that we're saved. It is by faith that we come into the kingdom. It is by faith that I, I, like Abraham, fear the Lord and know that I shall see my grandparents, whom I've preached three funerals, many of my family members, but three grandparents, and I said there, I will see my granddaddy Powell again one day. Why am I able to say that? Because I believe the promise. We believe the promise, and we come in faith. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God through faith, just like Abraham. We all come in that way. That's what the Word teaches us. All worthy are these things that I mentioned in themselves important in our Christian walk, but they don't play the part of appropriating God's righteousness into our lives through Jesus Christ. It is your faith that does that. Oh, Dad, your faith matters. Faith is a crucial element in the Christian life with which we can move mountains. With faith we can move mountains, but without it we're lost. Dads and granddads continue to teach your children that they need to be daughters and sons of Father Abraham because of faith. Again, I quote that statement I said earlier. Our approval before God does not depend on our faithfulness to his commandments, but rather it depends on our willingness to trust his faithfulness. 
After the service this morning, Jeff Poland shared something with me. He said, Harvey, I, I got to tell you this story. And uh, Kathea and Jeff Poland, they've got a bunch of grandkids. And he said several years ago, one of his grandsons was five or six at the time. And they were visiting with him, and he was going to read the Bible to his grandson. And so he had the, the Bible story book, and the grandson wanted to read the story of Isaac and Abraham. Jeff said, I was, I was kind of concerned that it was in the children's Bible, but listen to what he said. The little grandson said, Papa, read me, read me this story about Abraham and Isaac. So he read it with a little bit of nervousness of what, how is he going to explain this to a five-year-old. So he read it to him. And then the grandson, Jeff, looked at him and he just asked him, why do you like this story? He said, because Abraham listened to God. Abraham listened to God. That's what he got out of it. 1970, I'm standing in church at Red Hill United Methodist Church. I'm standing there holding the pew with one hand. We're singing, I need thee every hour. There was a man standing by me, a man of faith. And I had been asking questions about asking Christ in my heart. Again, I'm 11 years old. And probably over the last couple of months, I was really considering giving my life to the Lord, really thinking through it that I would follow through with it. And I had already wrestled with it that morning. And I don't remember what the preacher preached, but I, I remember the man of faith standing beside me whom I had no conversation with while we are singing, I need thee every hour. And I remember when I made the decision to go down to the altar that morning to receive Christ, I slid in behind this man of faith, and I walked down the altar, and I was the first of 18 people who got saved over the next few weeks. And the man of faith that was standing there beside me was my dad. It's interesting now that my dad, who is a man of faith, and I'm a man of faith, that my dad, many times since my adulthood, calls me brother. Because, see, my dad and I, we've got the same Abba, same Father in heaven. Dads, Papas, don't stop teaching your family to be sons and daughters of faith. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We praise you for this story. I still don't know, God, that I can preach it adequately. I, I still come away not fully understanding it, but I know that I am challenged to be a person of faith. And I pray, God, that you would challenge us all to trust in the faithfulness of Abba, our Father. Through his son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all the people said, Amen. Let's stand together.